have Heather Navarro from the Midwest Climate Collaborative on this week's Renew Guru. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm executive director of Renew Missouri, James Owen, coming to you live on tape from my, uh, oh no, not from my undisclosed location in Columbia. I am here in the palatial Renew Missouri studios in North Columbia. Joining me also in the palatial Renew Missouri studios is our producer, Philip Frosica. Hi, Philip. How's it going? Is this going to be our last one in this location, James? Ooh, did you just reveal the big secret? Yes, we are going to be moving offices in Columbia. Yes, stay tuned for the new address. So when you want to send us your big checks, <laughs> you know which address to send them to. Yes, it might be. It might be our last one. We'll see. Ooh, time will tell. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we have a guest. I've really wanted to have on this podcast since we started doing it. I don't know why it's taken this long, mainly because she's probably so busy. I have Heather Navarro, former alderwoman for the city of St. Louis, former director of the uh, Missouri Coalition for the Environment, and now current director of the Midwest Climate Collaborative at the Washington University. Uh, hey, Heather, how are you? I'm doing great, James. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm sorry it's taken us so long. I'm sorry, too. I will blame myself since this is my podcast. <laughs> no, you've um, been reaching out, and I appreciate it. Yeah, so you are, okay, so um, let's start a little bit. Uh, you know, the Midwest Climate Collaborative, where you are now, that is housed at Washington University there in St. Louis. Kind of describe to us a little bit what the Midwest Climate Collaborative is. So the Midwest Climate Collaborative, we envision a carbon neutral, climate resilient, interconnected Midwest region. And we get there by stitching together existing networks and efforts across sectors and across Midwestern communities. And we're all about filling gaps, building capacity, and elevating our region where climate action, as, as a region where climate action is happening. So really, we're all about attracting more investment, expanding knowledge, and accelerating action by bringing folks together across public private sectors here in the Midwest. That's great. How long has this been in existence? So we launched last year, January 28th. I came on board January 25th. So it was a, a whirlwind of, of oh. a launch, but we actually emerged from the Midwest Climate Summit, which started in um, 2020. So it was a series of virtual programming over about a year oh. and a half. And at the end of that year and a half, the planning committee said, you know, we really um, could use some sort of entity framework that continues to bring people together across sectors with a focus on our 12 Midwestern states but the collaborative itself yes we, we just turned one at the end of january oh that's great um you mentioned 12 states i was going to ask the loaded question of what you all consider to be the midwest <laughs> it is an interesting question isn't it yeah. like every time i ask folks you know so what do you consider the midwest right everybody has a conjures a different mental map so yeah. we actually use the census bureau's designation of the midwest so oh. that includes 12 states which i know yeah. it's different because you know usgs 
EPA, everybody mm -hmm. has different designations. But so um, on the west, on the west side, it's the Plain States, North and South Dakota, uh, Nebraska, Kansas, and then along the southern side there, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and then everything up north. So oh, Michigan, okay. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. I was at the MIA conference last week and I just told everybody it's MIA minus Kentucky. It's MIA. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the Midwest Energy Efficiency Alliance, yeah. um, which uh, we had people at that event. I believe Andrew Lanares of our St. Louis office was presenting. Um, oh, was, I missed him. Oh, no, he was at the EFA thing. Oh, that was separate. Oh, yes, no. Yes, that took place I, afterwards. I saw some overlap up there. I botched it. <laughs> it was a great conference, though. I yeah, uh, super glad I do a lot of preparation for these uh, for for these uh, for these uh, interviews as well as for my my job. Um, so okay, so so that's the Midwest by your definition, by the Midwest Climate Collaborative definition. So like, do you so like when you talk about these networks and these groups, are these groups invited? Do they join? How does that work with your collaborative? So, so we do have, um, you know, official members, uh, we've got dues paying members, different levels for nonprofits, local governments, academic institutions and industry. So right now those are kind of the four, four buckets. And I've really spent a lot of the last year just responding to folks interested in joining the collaborative, you know, like, as you said, my background's in nonprofits and, and local government. And uh -huh. I have to tell you when I, when I applied for this position, I, I asked the folks around the table, you know, how do you know we need another nonprofit working in the Midwest <laughs> on climate? You know, the yeah. last thing I want to do is convene people to talk about things they're already talking about, compete for funding. And I can tell you that is not what this collaborative does. We really are about filling those gaps. And and it, it shocked, I shouldn't say it shocked me, but it was very compelling to me that when the collaborative launched, there were already 30 dues paying members signed up on board. And so that said to me, wow. okay, there really is a gap here that we are filling. Folks are finding partners, finding opportunities here with this group that they're not finding elsewhere. So really the first few months, I was on a call every day with somebody saying, hey, what is this thing I think I might wanna join? There's definitely, so we're up to, we launched with 30 members. We're now up to 60 and um, we still have gaps um, in that, you know, there's still some certain states where we don't have a lot of representation. I would love to be, um, you know, in engaging more with uh, tribes and indigenous groups, for example, right. we have a lot of four-year universities and colleges, but would love some two-year, you know, two-year colleges. And so a lot of what I do is just better understanding where are the gaps in our region and where are people already working great together and how can we support that their efforts and connect them to the broader community. Mm, yeah. And so like when you talk about like trying to like bring these issues and bring these groups together, I mean, kind of like where do you see the venues for these groups and these networks kind of having the most amplification of what they're trying to accomplish? I think probably the, the biggest... Um, opportunity, the biggest value add to our to our members so far has been in the collaborative fundraising mm -hmm. arena. So we received our first NSF grant last year. And that was a grant. What kind of grant is that? Oh, sorry, National Science Foundation. Thank okay. you. And it's, a, <laughs> it's a national science. You know, I've been, I'm not an academic, but now that I've been at WashU for a year, I'm already starting to speak. Oh, the so alphabet soup of uh, yes. academia. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for keeping me in check. 
Uh, so that that grant, it's a it's called the NSF Civic Grant, and it's all about flipping that dynamic where academics go and they get funding to study something, and then they go to the community and say, "Hey, we're here to study you," and the community oftentimes says well, we're either not interested in that or we already know that, but we don't know this, you know, whatever it might be. And so the idea is bring these civic partners, these community partners to the table to solve a, to, to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And so the grant that we, um, we, we got a planning grant and it's in four cities, St. Louis, Kansas City, Indianapolis and, and Madison and Dane mm -hmm. County. And we're looking at mitigating urban heat island effect and other climate impacts oh, through the expansion yeah. of tree canopy. And yeah. then talking to our civic partners, you know, because we had these civic partners at the table from the very beginning, we were able to really focus in on it's long-term maintenance of trees that is really problematic. And so in each of those four cities, we have a local government partner, a university partner, a nonprofit partner. So we went to uh -huh. NSF and we were able to say, look, we've got four cities who are all facing similar challenges. And I'm sure you've seen this, James, that when we're doing, you know, policy work, for example, in the Midwest, so many of the case studies and data sets, you know, model policies come from the coast. And right. what I'm really interested in is what's working in Cleveland and in Indianapolis and in Detroit, yeah. you know, and in Topeka, like that is going to be more relevant. So that's the idea behind this grant is we're pulling together folks who are in Midwestern communities facing similar challenges from aging infrastructure, similar weather patterns. Um, and then in each of those places, we have a cross-sector cluster. And, and I think that was very compelling to, to NSF. So we are now working on um, the implementation phase grant. And that's a model I wanna be able to, to replicate because I think that's one of the beauties of the collaborative is that we can, we've got these existing partnerships and really a lot of my job is just matchmaking. You know, you've got an academic institution who sees a grant that they have the capacity to get but maybe mm -hmm. they don't have the community connections. You know, right. our local government, I mean, right now, especially local governments, as you know, are saying, okay, how do we get these federal funds? What's coming? Oh, yeah. And and I don't have the capacity to apply for them, or even if I get the money, I don't know who I'm going to hire to do this work. And so that's, you know, really the the, the area that we are uh, trying to fill. And I think it is through that, that building yeah. capacity to get more funds into the region, I think is yeah. the biggest value add. Yeah, and I know with the urban heat island, that's an issue that we have been working on. I know certainly on the western side of, of Missouri, where Evergy, that has been uh, part of some of their filings before the Public Service Commission. Uh, the Office of Public Counsel, the Consumer Advocate Group, has been trying to push for some funding for, I mean, essentially, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if we even had a, a, a podcast on this, the, the urban heat island issue. I don't know, maybe Philip can tell me if we have had or not, but I mean, basically the idea that, you know, in the middle of cities, the heat gets trapped by all the concrete and by all the pavement and by all the, you know, kind of just darkness of, of the buildings. And so the idea would be that you, you know, invest in, you know, putting in trees, putting in canopies, like putting in white paint on rooftops. Um, it's things like that that would actually bring the temperature down. Oh, we did an episode 29 with Jeff Mark. Apparently that is when we did yeah. it. So this is actually, Heather, this is no joke. And I should have mentioned this. If I was a good at this podcast, I would have brought this up earlier. I think this is our hundredth episode. Whoa, I feel so lucky. You're our, yeah, I know. Um, see, this is, this is a big, this is a big one. Congratulations. I think I remember when you all were launching a podcast because I remember talking to Andrew when I was at Missouri Coalition for the Environment yeah. 
And he was talking about, I think, getting some equipment together. And he said, we're going to start doing a podcast. And I was probably still, you know, um, I don't know. I was probably like, podcast? Who's doing podcasts? Exactly. Yeah. I, and <laughs> like, everyone, I said, and everyone said like, well, Renew Missouri, like, what are you going to like do five of these? <laughs> Uh, but we've somehow figured this out. It actually got better during the pandemic because Zoom is such a good way to like communicate with people, and 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 it actually almost doesn't even require you to have equipment because the uh, the sound is really great on this. Um, and we also would have to do them in person. Um, and so now I could just talk to you and not have to go to St. Louis, um, which is good and bad, I guess. Well, it saves on emissions, that's for sure. It does save on emissions. That's true. Like I, <laughs> I always, I, I, I know we're like way off topic here, but I always love like how we are a part of these groups and these organizations who will be like, Hey, we're going to fly you to New York for a meeting today. And I was like, what? Like, why don't we just do this over the phone? <laughs> and they're starting to do that now. But like, there was a time where like, I mean, there, this was a situation where Andrew, I think one of his groups, I won't say which one said, oh yeah, we got to fly him to New York for a meeting. And I was like, about energy efficiency. Okay, right. cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're getting to be a little bit more discerning about which meetings really need to happen in person. There's definitely a value. To there is. But you got to, you got to balance that. Right. Yeah, I am. I'm trying to do multiple meetings when I go to St. Louis or Kansas City. So it always and it's hard to do that when it's in the legislative session, because like if I have to be somewhere tomorrow, example. Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Urban heat islands. <laughs> we got all this other stuff out of the way. Um, yeah. So this is so that is something you are working on in those four cities. And it is something we've also seen pop up in some of our uh, utility uh, uh, our utility cases before the Public Service Commission, I can say from the Renew Missouri end. Yep, yeah, um, and that's really just an example, I think, of what the collaborative can do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't come in in January last year saying, okay, our goal is urban heat island mitigation, but what I did was talk to our, our members and our, our other stakeholders and, and also looked at the opportunities that were available. This NSF Civic grant was, was out there. Um, and to say, hey, look, it sounds like we are poised to go after this. We've got the partners, we've got the capacity, we've got a great topic that really matters and is compelling. Um, let's run with it. So I yeah. think, you know, there are a variety of, of other, um, you know, topics and issues we could pursue with that similar model. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's great. I mean, in the first 12 months, uh, yeah, doubled membership, got our first uh, federal grant, and then we're putting on this in-person summit later this month. So I'm oh, feeling yeah. like it's been a very productive year. So let's talk about that summit a little bit. Uh, yeah, you, okay. So one of the, one of the big things, I mean, one of the things kind of got on our radar is you're going to be doing, um, and I will share this when we send out this, um, when, when we send this out, but you were doing the 2023 Midwest Climate Summit. Uh, February 21st to the 23rd in St. Louis. So tell me a little bit about what that summit is going to look like. So this is a working summit. So a working summit. Okay. Yes. Um, and it's open to anybody, not just MCC members. Okay. But it's really for folks who are looking to find partners across sectors to advance their, their climate work. Mm -hmm. And the way I've been describing this, because I, I went to a lot of conferences last year and, you know, a lot of conferences, you leave your work on your desk, 
you go to the conference, you meet a lot of great people, you get inspired, you sometimes you get just overwhelmed with information. You go back to your office, you try to catch up on all the emails that you missed, you try to scramble to catch up on your work, try to find all those folks on LinkedIn before they fade away from your memory. <laughs> and the idea here is pick up the work from your desk, bring it with you to the conference, find the partners and the opportunities that are going to help advance that work. So when you go back to your office, you're farther ahead than when you left. That is, mm. that's the ideal. So the conference has um, 20 different uh, workshops on a variety mm. of topics. And these were all topics suggested by uh, climate leaders in the, in the region. Um, and they really, they're outcome driven. So we've really asked our presenters, you know, one, share information. There's a huge value in just sharing what's working in the Midwest. Right. Um, but also, you know, what is it that you're looking for? So some of our presenters have very specifically said, when I come out of this workshop, I'm really looking for other people across sectors who could be potential grant partners on, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. federal funding or addressing gaps in career pathways. Um, or I'm, I've got this idea that I really like to advance and I'd like to kind of hear from other folks, you know, what, what do they think about this particular method of, you know, reducing carbon or fundraising? And then we'll have some other skill building ones. We'll have some workshops on how do you do climate communications in the Midwest? I mean, it's very different than how you do it on the coast, for example. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that, that sort of thing, um, community engagement, we'll have um, six mobile workshops, which I'm really excited about talking about being in person. I mean, one, and this, I'll say too, this is a hybrid conference. So folks who we want to respect people's decisions to reduce their carbon footprint and tune in online. So um, almost all, most of our workshops will be, will be streamed. So there is a virtual option, but for folks who are able to gather in person, one, you get that benefit of that in-person networking, but then also I think it's great when you're in a place to be able to see that place, um, you know, mm -hmm. not just be in a conference center without any windows day after day, but to be able to, to get out there. And so we have six mobile workshops, you know, one will be going up to the confluence, one will be visiting some Great Rivers Greenway sites, talking about community engagement with a workshop ending at the foundry. Um, we've got one going out to the Dan Donald Danforth Plant Science Center. And there they'll get a tour and also talk about those career pathways in ag and biosciences. Um, so there's a tour of the Zoo Museum District here in St. Louis and what yeah. sustainability directors are doing on campus. So I think that's just going to be a really great opportunity for folks to be able to dive in. A writing workshop out of the Tyson Research Center. Now, it will be February in St. Louis. So, you know, we'll have to work with the weather, but, you know, we're, we're all, you know, we're hardy Midwestern folks and St. Louis is on the Southern coast of the Midwest. So <laughs> it'll be a great time. It's also a very mild winter. It has been in mid-Missouri anyway. I don't know what the weather's been like in St. Louis. Well, we did have that, um, what, what do they call it? Like the, the snow bomb, um, you know, right around the holidays at the end of December. Oh um, yeah, so we did have we the winter dips. storm Elliot. Oh yes, yeah, but yeah, right now it's it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. I, I mean, gorgeous. I put gorgeous in air quotes, you know. For, it's for gorgeous moment. to a panic-inducing level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely can be. St. Louis. Is uh, a <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, it, so yeah, I mean, like you you were talking about, yes, it is still the Midwest in February. Anything can happen. Uh, so, but you also have uh, you also have some speakers I noticed on your website too. Yeah. Yes, so we'll have um, US EPA Deputy Administrator Janet McCabe joining us, and mm -hmm. she's got deep roots in the Midwest, so we're excited to have her, and 
um, be able to talk about some of the things that are coming down the, the pike with federal funding, as well as some of the successful collaborative efforts that she's seen work in the Midwest. And then also uh -huh. Dr. Sylvia Hood-Washington, who's an epidemiologist, um, environmental historian, um, so environmental engineer. So she's going to really help identify, you know, where's the intersection between science, health, policy, um, justice, um, and really, which I think really helps frame up what the summit and what the collaborative is, is all about. It's about that intersectionality. How do we work across disciplines and across sectors to address these really complex issues? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to be like another incentive for people to go to hear them speak. Um, yeah. So, and I believe that uh, we have people from Renew Missouri who are going to be putting on a uh, yes, presentation. Yep. yep. So yep. that'll be exciting for everybody. <laughs> um, and so, okay. So the, I'm looking at the link for this. It is sites. Well, take the sites part out. Just. Uh, okay. <laughs> you can, can, you can go, to go w, there without that. WUSTL.edu slash Midwest Climate Collaborative slash Summit. And folks, Summit is two M's and one T. That's like one of those words that I can never spell correctly. Like sheriff because i don't know which like <laughs> letter is like twice and one's just the one so i just revealed to you like my my kryptonite when it comes to writing <laughs> well luckily i think if you google midwest climate there's a good chance that the oh in the summit page will, will come up which probably okay. speaks to some of the gaps in our our region <laughs> yeah okay yeah it's but so just, easy to find just google it folks uh yeah <laughs> So, you know, I, and really, you know, like, because I'm very excited you're doing this. I'm very excited that Renew Missouri is part of it. I'm very excited that uh, we have opportunities like this. And I kind of just wonder, like, because I know you've been working in this space for a long time. You you know, you've worked with the Missouri Coalition for the Environment as its director. You've worked in the capacity as an elected official. You're an older woman. How long were you an older person in St. Louis? About four and a half years. Four and a half years. Okay. So you, and you worked on this issue extensively in that role. Yes. Yeah, um, I was very lucky. Yeah, the city had technical assistance to work on building energy performance standards, solar rays. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were able to accomplish quite a bit. Yeah. So, so, and I, you know, your background's like me. You're also a lawyer. Um, you know, might not necessarily be a practicing lawyer, but you can certainly use your legal skills uh, to kind of address some of these problems. I kind of just wonder, like, you know, like when, when you look at your career, you've been doing this. I mean. How do you feel it's going with the work we're doing? <laughs> oh, like, wow. I mean, you know, because I always sit there and think, you know, every day to day, you know, I'm here like just getting my teeth kicked in or like we get some good news. And I don't ever get a sense of like looking back and saying like, oh, we've made a lot of progress here. I mean, how do you feel about how 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 people like us who make a living doing this are doing? Well, I won't tell you about the bottle of whiskey I have in my oh. my office here. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. but, um, but at least it wasn't say, turpentine <laughs> right, exactly exactly um, there's hope there's hope that's right um, like one of the best parts of this job is that I get to travel around the midwest meeting people every day who are working on these issues of, of climate and that does give me tremendous hope um, mm -hmm. I mean the state of North Dakota their governor has a hundred percent carbon neutral goal um really yes oh that's great i didn't now, know that. actually it's a it's a 
it's a carbon neutral challenge. I'm sorry. I, oh, okay. I don't think I should use the word goal, but it, it's out there and the, yeah. you know, it, it's out there. The city of Des Moines, Iowa was the first city in the world to go to hundred percent 24 seven, you know, carbon free electricity right. before London and Paris who get all the attention. Um, I was just up in Chicago and um, a lot of wonderful things going on up there. You know, Indiana, um, meeting with the folks, at the Environmental Resilience Institute at IU, they're doing amazing things. So, I mean, it's, it is, and I was in Detroit for a Health and Environmental Funders Network conference talking about the, the intersection between health impacts, justice, climate. Um, so there's so much great work going on. I was at, well, and I was at the Land Institute in Salina, Kansas, and just seeing what they're doing in terms of perennial grains and the research. We have a long way to go, but I mean, I do feel hopeful that there, there are so many people working on this issue, so many innovative things going on, and even in sectors that we don't always expect. Um, right. And I think part of that is what makes the Midwest a little unique is it's a little more nuanced. Um, and I think part of the reason we have been overlooked for a lot of funding opportunities is that somebody is sitting there Googling who's working on climate in, in Kansas. Well, you know, some of these states aren't going to have people with climate in their title. It doesn't right. mean they're not working to reduce emissions or sure. supporting renewable energy projects or they're not finding ways to make their communities more resilient. But, you know, it just it looks a little bit different in the Midwest. And so I feel like I've been really privileged to be able to, to see that. So that does give me hope. I mean, there are definitely a lot of setbacks and you're in the legislature. So, you know, you see what some of those look like. Um, <laughs> But I feel like thing. I, I mean, I will tell you compared to you know. I mean, I, I've been an, an environmentalist since I was like in grade school, and it was not cool to be into energy and in the environment. <laughs> and now it's like, oh my gosh, everybody you know is here. And what's great is you don't have to consider yourself an environmentalist to, you know, be on top of these issues. Um, so in the, in that regard, I'm hopeful. Um, but yeah, the the sense of urgency is is tremendous. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, I think what the what the potential of the Midwest is, and I, you know, certainly when I think about it from the perspective of working for a, a statewide group in Missouri, is that, um, you know, California, <laughs> Massachusetts, Hawaii, those, those places are like, they've done, they're doing it. <laughs> they're getting there. You're, you're seeing, a, you're seeing movement there. And the places where it still needs to move are in these more kind of moderate or conservative states um like the places where you're working um and there also happen to be places like i mean i think about the dakotas and i think about kansas and i think about iowa there's a lot of opportunity to build out an infrastructure for uh, renewable energy in those places um there is a there's an opportunity where and, and quite frankly from my perspective of being like a a former farm kid and seeing the independent family farm get pretty much wiped out because it has. Um, so we don't really have like family farms, but we do still have like people who own property and you can make money off of this where you more so than you could running cattle or running or uh, raising crops in some cases. And so I just feel, and then I look at Missouri specifically where we have made a lot of advances with energy efficiency um, you know, Heather, I was looking at uh, the ACEEE, the American Council on Energy Efficiency Economies. Did I do that right? Is that is that what those letters stand for? I think it is. Well, done. Um, they, you know, we are Missouri is 29th in, in energy efficiency policy. And, you know, when I started 
five and a half, almost six years ago, we were 38th. And I think 10 years ago, we were like 48th or 49th. And so, you know, like in 10 years, we've almost moved to the middle from the bottom. I know that isn't like really sexy, but it does sound like progress to me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's something to be celebrated. And I think we have to keep celebrating those wins to keep the movement going, because as you said, it can be overwhelming. I mean, we, we are, yeah, as we all know, we're facing this existential crisis. Right. And, and I think those accomplishments are significant. Yeah. And I mean, and I just, I think there's also more, I mean, like in this area, there's more we can do and there should be more opportunity to find funding, uh, to find resources because, you know, we've kind of done it in other places. We're kind of moving, like, we're kind of moving in inward uh, to the center with with some of this progress, and I just feel like now's the time. Yep. Now you know because I think about it with the summit, you're obviously got to be talking a lot about the Inflation Reduction Act, right? Right, right. Yeah. So there there is this opportunity right now where you've got you've got funds and resources coming in. A lot of people are talking about the workforce and seeing the, the opportunities there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and then one of the great things too about the collaborative is being able to get industry and educators in the same room together to be able to say, how do we address these gaps? And I'm, yeah. I know I've been talking with somebody at the Illinois Department of Ag who he's got to hire 40, he's got 40 openings for conservation planners. And so he's got funding, he's got the jobs for them. And right now we need to get the workforce ready and able to, you know, for these jobs. And there's a lot that goes into that, but I think the pieces are coming together right now. And with the federal funding, I mean, that's, that's going to be a game changer. And right now it's about getting the resources together so that people can take advantage and leverage that, leverage that funding yeah. for, for much more beyond, you know, the next five years or so. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it sometimes feels a little overwhelming that we wanted to see this investment in um, climate action. We have it now, but the question is, do we have people who can do it. I mean, you, you, you talk about energy efficiency. I talk to people, we're trying to do opportunities to educate people to become energy auditors because we don't even have enough. We don't even have enough of those in some parts of the state. And we're trying to fix that. Um, you know, there's going to be challenges with making sure that we can properly use this money too. So like just the fact that we got, Oh, the IRA passed and we put this big investment in that's like, that might end up being the easy part. Right, right. Well, and, you, and you've seen there's so many different points in the system. Um, you know, heat pumps is, you know, that was the word of the week last week at the conference mm -hmm. at in Chicago. And there's so much to be done in terms of consumer education. And a lot of that consumer education comes from the contractors who are showing up when, you know, whether it's your water heater, or your HVAC, you know, whatever utility, you know, whatever appliance it is that's going right. on. And so getting those contractors up to speed um, making sure they have the information they need. And then, yeah, making sure the inventory, the supply chain, everything else is, is ready to go. Um, I mean, I just switched out my, my gas range for uh, an electric induction oh. range. Yes, yeah, so it was very exciting. Um, and the, and the I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but I got to experience firsthand what it takes to swap out you know, a gas appliance for an electric appliance. And I was really committed to making that happen. Um, but for the average consumer, you know, there's still a lot of gaps there to, to fill. So like you said, the money's mm -hmm. coming. And now I think, again, the beauty of this summit and the collaborative is we can start to pull folks together and say, okay, 
who's bringing what tools to the table here, who needs to be partnered with whom so that, you know, you can move forward. And so we will have folks at the, the summit who are, are ready to go, sometimes can provide services for free to, to local governments to be able to sort out, okay, which let, let's look at your climate action plan. Let's look at what federal funding is available and figure out where you can get the biggest bang for your buck. Um, and then what contractors are you gonna need? Because in a lot of cases, there's not internal expertise for this. So who are you gonna wow. need here to do your greenhouse gas inventory or determine where your EV you know, charging station should go? You know, um, I mean, that's all part of the, the puzzle and the matchmaking that we need to do. Yeah. And so that's the opportunity. That's the hope and the opportunity that you have for that event is to kind of make sure everyone knows that they're talking to the right people. Yep. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, I kind of wonder. So if people want to get I mean, you obviously will share with people how to like go to the summit, but if they want to get involved with your collaborative, they need to talk to you. They just need to go to the website. How does that work? So I think, yeah, checking out the website and on our, our membership page, we've got a great slide deck that walks through, um, you know, kind of some of the projects that we're engaging in, who the current members are. Um, and then, yeah, I like to, to, at least for this first year, I've been sitting down with everybody, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, usually over Zoom, um, mm -hmm. if they're interested, because the collaborative still is very much taking shape. I mean, we are going to be about what our members need us to be about. And so um, it's a very fluid process. And, and it's different. This is not a climate pledge where you put your name on something and then, right. you know, make an announcement about it and go about your business. This really is about folks coming to the table and, and figuring out how to move forward together. So I, um, you know, I love hearing from folks where they see the opportunities, where they see gaps, what they're looking for in a multi-sector collaborative like this. And, um, and then if they're, yeah, they're interested, then, um, you know, we can, get them through the membership. And the great thing about the summit is that our members all receive two free tickets to, oh. to the summit. So it's a great incentive for folks who are contemplating to, to look at it, uh, do the math and determine what makes <laughs> the most sense. <laughs> yeah. And um, okay. So that is a good, so if you were to sign up and become a member now, there's going to be that benefit of getting to at least get two people to go to the summit. Yep. And I don't, and, and then there's a discount for any, anybody else at your organization too, who, who's interested uh, because there really is a benefit in bringing multiple people from one organization. Because again, when you go back to work, you can say, oh yeah, remember, you know, you've got people to hold you accountable for next steps and following up. And I should mention if I, I didn't, so of those 60 members, you know, it's a mix of, we've got 12 local governments, um, about a third of those members are higher ed institutions. Um, we've got maybe about half of them are, are nonprofits, um, small ones doing weatherization and low-income homes, up to the you know larger ones, Nature Conservancy in Illinois, Nebraska, um, Renew Missouri. Um, and then yes. um, we've got a couple of industry business partners, and that's something that we're actively looking to, to expand, you know, figure out huh. how can this collaborative offer value to our industry members um, and how can they you know, sit at this table and, and for this to really be valuable and on all sides, because mm -hmm. really they're the ones who are going to be the one moving the needle at the end of the day on a lot of these emissions. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So as far as you go, I mean, as far as you, are you done in politics? <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi. Well, you know, it's interesting when you mean city politics, because there are. I just mean politics. Let's let's start with city politics. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, you know, there there are university politics, you know, there's politics everywhere you go. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. uh, Let's let's talk about the formal like running for office and all of that. Uh, Are you done with that with, with the city? I mean, for right now, I am. I think I'm in the right place. Um, you know, serving in public office was a wonderful experience because it really opened my eyes to, you know, how do things get done on the ground or how don't they get done? What are the barriers? Um, and now being housed at a university and seeing, okay, these are the questions that are coming up from our academic partners. Here are the innovative ideas mm-hmm. and the, the research that they're doing. How do we match that up with, you know, the boots on the ground? And I have a much better idea of um, you know of why that is so difficult and who you need to talk to to really move to move things along. So um, you know I've been yeah I, I practiced law for a little while I was in the yeah. sector government sector so um, I feel like right right where I am right now is where I can do my best like to really leverage those different experiences oh. moving forward. So I don't know that uh, going back into you know to city politics is is the best use of of my. Uh, <laughs> It's not necessarily where I want to be right now, but I definitely want to support all of those folks in local government, especially um, because I know how hard their job is and I know how little capacity they have. And so I feel like I can really serve um, more people um, in this role now than than I could before, even though I, I do miss I do miss a lot of the work that I did. Yeah. I'm I'm always amazed. I mean, like, look, I know a lot of people who work in politics. I know a lot of people who are elected to office. And I mean, it's a really important job. But I am really, like, surprised by how much you can get done working like kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, this kind of NGO type, you know, excuse me, folks, non-government organizations that work within the sphere of government like, I feel like with Renew Missouri, and I feel like what you did with Missouri Coalition for the Environment and what you can do here has this enormous capacity to get a lot of, of policy moving in a good direction. And I always try to encourage people that if you're interested in, you know, clean energy or environmental issues, that, you know, you don't even need to run for office to do that. You should be looking for opportunities like this to work with groups like this, because there is there is or to be in this collaborative. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. And, you know, having been in government, I saw how important, you know, those nonprofits, other stakeholders are because, I mean, just my example in St. Louis city government, you know, I didn't, I didn't have staff. I didn't have legislative aides. Our committees weren't staffed. And so, you know, the reason we were able to pass the building performance standards or, update the building code for EVs, for electric vehicle charging stations and all of that was because we had assistant, outside assistance, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was NRDC or IMT or working with folks at Renew Missouri or Sierra yeah. Club or wherever it was, they were often providing the information um, and, and the draft policies because we just simply didn't have that capacity. Right. And I see that across the Midwest that you've got these local governments, these city councils, and often there are volunteer commissions who are really trying to yeah. move these initiatives forward. And they just, they don't have the resources. And so I do think that that is an excellent place to get involved um, is with some of these these organizations because they, you know, they're a huge benefit um, to, yeah. to elected officials. And, and allows you- Government in general. Yeah, allows you focus too. 
like when you're in the board of of aldermen in St. Louis, you have uh, a lot of problems. <laughs> I hope I'm not overstating that. <laughs> Putting it mildly, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from the outside, I look at St. Louis, I'm like, yeesh, good luck with all of that. Uh, <laughs> and you also have a lot of opportunity there, too. Um, but you are working on budgets, you are working on infrastructure, you are working on law enforcement issues, uh, you know, you are working on everything and not just building codes and environmental issues, which are right. also important. Right. All right. those things are important. Right, right. But yeah, it can be very, very difficult, like you said, to focus on any one thing. Um, because there, there are so many immediate needs. And, you know, and it's been interesting too, just in this new role, being able to look at how are other city governments structured? How are mm -hmm. their city councils or their, their boards of aldermen structured? How do they get this work done? I mean, that's something I'm really interested in seeing. You know, if you've got a city manager versus a strong mayor system, yeah. you know, is it your is it your public works department? Is it your building division? You know, who's leading on these efforts and how do we support them? Because, you know, yeah, in a lot of cases, the aldermen or the city council people are, are working on constituent services day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And to be able to take a deep dive into you know, complex le uh, legislation, which you need to get right, because if you don't get the legislation right, then you're spending the next several years cleaning it up and, yeah. you know. So, I'd, yeah, I'd so. love to read something about how Des Moines got their goals done. Well, come to the summit because oh. <laughs> Iowa Environmental Council and Emirates will be putting on a workshop to talk about um, really made that happen in Iowa. And, you know, how other communities can pull together their, you know, their utilities, their um, local government partners and, and others to, to make that happen. Yeah, so three cities in Iowa have made this 24-7 um, carbon-free uh, commitment. Yeah, they have a lot of win there, too. So, yeah, and I think, you know, Des Moines, I think Google was a big player. So that's the other thing is they leveraged the industries in their region who have these goals yeah. And I think that's what's exciting about Illinois and CJA. I think they're going to see a lot of folks moving into Illinois who say, yeah, we've got these, we've got these SDG goals. We've got these carbon, these carbon goals. And if we're in Illinois, they're going to help us get there, you know? Right. Um, and I think I'm hoping that that will put pressure on other states in our region to say, yeah, how do we, how do we help industry meet their goals while also reducing our emissions, making this a, a cleaner, healthier, safer place? for people yeah. in the Midwest to live and for all those people who are going to be flocking to the Midwest because it's not sustainable yeah. to live anymore, you know? I, I talk to state reps and, and state senators and I say like, we are going to have climate refugees in, in Missouri soon. Yep. Oh, they're already the seeing them in yeah, Michigan, Minnesota. And it's something we need to be thinking about because property values go up yeah. when folks from the coast sell their homes and bring that money into oh, the yeah. Midwest. Um, our infrastructure. There's just so many things we we need. Well, one, we need to be positioned, you know, cities like St. Louis, I would say, um, you know, and other cities that have seen drastic population declines need to be looking at how they can be competitive, how they can attract people to their region. And then, oh. I mean, whether it's St. Louis or some of these other cities who are, you know, they're feeling fine about where their population is, but there are going to be more people coming in, um, more people interested. And, you know, how do you account for that? How do you build resiliency? And I do think that that is a selling point for the Midwest. I mean, we're in the middle of the country. We've got more fresh water than we know what to do with between the lakes and the rivers. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I mean, property values are low. We've got lots of infrastructure here. Um, you know, it is, it's a great place for yeah. people to move, to raise a family, start a business. Beer is cheap. You can buy weed now. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so much going I mean, What's on. not to like, right? <laughs> I guess I am timestamping this. Today is the first day I believe you can buy recreational marijuana in Missouri. I believe that's right, isn't it? Um, can you I buy don't pot know. now? sorry yeah he's giving the thumbs up okay yeah, there we go there we go no no sorry 100th episode with this day didn't you uh yeah i know um it's a big celebration right um yeah don't don't worry people in columbia judge owen doesn't doesn't do that sort of stuff um but no no i mean i i think but but seriously yeah i think missouri does need to be um does need to be prepared and it is going to change the composition of this state. And we need to be thinking about it like yesterday. Right. right. Not, not, oh, we'll get to that whenever these people get here. Uh, but I do think that Missouri is going to see, I think, I think that presents an opportunity. I think some people might say like, oh, I don't like the idea that people from California will be moving to, to, to Missouri, but I think that is, uh, I think that is what we need. We are seeing, you know, stagnation in our population here. I mean, certainly St. Louis is looking at that as a challenge, are, are they not? Right, right. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. and we do, we, a lot of these Midwestern cities, they do, they've got aging infrastructure that used to support many more people. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to be able to take care of it if they don't increase their tax base. And, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, I've all, I've been about density minimizing sprawl for a long time because of the yeah. environmental impacts. And now when you think about being climate resilient, I mean, how much more important it is that we've got investments in our, our wastewater and our water systems and, um, you know, to take care of those things, you need people. And the more spread out everything is, the harder it is to maintain those things. And I mean, emergency preparedness, I mean, this is, these are real things that we need to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think <laughs> and I understand there are a lot of like problems that are like facing us today and doing all of that. But I mean, this one to me, seems very foreseeable. So I don't know. I guess that's what we're working on, right? <laughs> we can talk about that at the summit. <laughs> right. That's right. I should also mention. Yes. At the summit. Yes. Um, you know, in addition to all those fun workshops, um, we will have, there'll be, you know, some great networking opportunities. We're mm -hmm. going to have Story Stitchers, which is a local organization here in St. Louis. Um, it's, it's youth who are really focused on reducing gun violence and healing the harm of oh. trauma. And a lot of that is tied to the physical environment in which they live and yeah. understanding the connection between heat and violence and, and all of those, all of those intersectionalities. Um, so they will be, they will be performing. Um, we're looking at having um, uh, maybe. So they're story band. stitchers. Is that the name of the, of yes, the group? Story stitchers. Yep. You can okay. find them on, online. So these are students who are the, engaged in spoken word. They do podcasts as well. A lot of oh, okay. Um, I actually went to one of their events with a dance battle. I actually showed up thinking that maybe I could compete. I was going to say, That's, did you? <laughs> it's not for me, <laughs> but I, I loved watching it. Um, so they do a lot of really wonderful things in the arts. Uh, yeah, don't 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 envision. Yeah, me and, and the I was going to say that needs to be a separate podcast episode. <laughs> I don't know what dance you were going to do, or I want to know these. I want to know the answers to these questions, Heather. Um, you're but you do you're going to have like kind of like local 
you know, kind of local, um, local entertainment. I don't know if it's entertainment is the right. I mean, highlighting local voices. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. For sure. Yep. Yep. So yeah, just a lot of great opportunities again to network, better understand what's going on in the region. And then the goal is that every, the the summit moves. So this year it's in St. Louis, we launched here. So obviously Mm. it's, you know, for first year under the belt, easiest to start right here where we are, but very much anticipate that we'll be moving this around, you know, Indianapolis, Madison, uh, Kansas City, um, sure. you know, right, Columbus. Salina. So, um, yeah, so what's that? <laughs> Salina, Kansas. <laughs> Salina, you know, hey. Sure. Uh, A lot of great stuff going on out there too. Yeah, there actually is. I think people are always surprised when they find out like there's like a big art center there and everything. And so, yeah. Um, Heather, I've kept you over way longer than I had anticipated, but this has been really, um, this has been great. I hope you come back. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to. And hope to see you in, in St. Louis when you're here as well. Absolutely. So what, okay, again, um, anything else to pitch other than just your your summit, your collaborative? Yeah, I think check out the Midwest Climate Collaborative, Midwest Climate Summit. Put any of those into your search engine and they'll find it February 21st to 23rd here in St. Louis. Okay. Heather Navarro, running the Midwest Climate Collaborative there at Washington University in St. Louis. I want to thank you for stopping by. I want to thank all of you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe to this on your uh, Spotify or your iTunes platform. Leave a review. Share this on your uh, social media platforms as well. On behalf of Renew Missouri, this has been James Owen, wishing you until next time that you take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>